okay? This is, uh, I'm, uh, every time I sit down, I rewrite it, and it's unfolding. It's probably going to be at least two messages. Tonight is kind of the preemptive, mm, I'll prepare you for what's coming next month, which is really the keynote of what I want to say. But I couldn't jump into that without saying this first. I was uh, recently listening to um, Bill Johnson. I think it was on YouTube. I think I was at the gym just watching my phone or something. And he had a, a message there, and he was really, his heart was really open. He was sharing some personal things that he had struggled with, and it really, it really gripped my heart because as a pastor, it's particularly compelling, but it just in everyone's lives, I think this is a particular issue. He shared what his story was that most often people would come to him, and he's got a huge church, and people would come to him for prayer. And when people came to him for prayer, he was like the Apostle Bill, you know, and people expected miraculous things. They, they thought when they engaged him with their needs and he prayed for them, something would happen. And he said, the truth of the matter is, oftentimes nothing happened. And they would walk away just really disappointed and dejected and, and frustrated with that whole thing because they expected that as a man of God, he would be able to move in power and be able to pray for them and see their lives change. And it didn't bother them as much as it bothered him, I'll tell you, because he was grieving over this. The fact that he would pray for people about things that are just life issues and nothing would happen. That's so frustrating. Anyone else experience that? Yeah, I'm sure. If you've ever prayed for one, someone and you really wanted God to do something, and nothing happened, you, you walk away having to rethink your whole theology sometimes. What's wrong with God? What's wrong with me? Do I don't have the stuff? You know, we go through all the questions, mostly self-recriminating things, right? Or am I just speaking for myself? <laughs> you can call me on it if you want to. So I, I'm obviously dealing with this in my own life, and I, uh, and I don't know much about computers, but I do know this. If it's not working, you turn it off and you reboot. And that's where I'm at. I'm in a reboot on what the Bible really says about these things. And so I'm going to share with you the process of going back to look at these hard questions and ask some hard questions of ourselves and try to find some answers. You with me? All right, so just struggle with me. I'll try to keep this as <laughs> short as I can. There's been times in my life when I know all of us, when we don't get those answers, we often sometimes just give up and we revert back to religion. We go back to church as usual and we go into our programs and our meetings and our, the things we do, but we're underlying all that, there's a disappointment. It doesn't look like the book of Acts. It doesn't look like the movement that changed the world. It looks like church. And that's so disappointing. Huh. I don't know about you, but I, don't, I didn't sign up for that. I signed up during the Jesus Movement days, and stuff was happening. People's lives were being changed, and radically, prayers were being answered, and gradually that just kind of just fizzled out for a lot of people. I'm sure it's still happening in places, but not so much, can I be honest? So, um, like Bill, I've been driven back to the Word of God for answers. I, I took note of some of his things he said, and, and in my own dialogue with God, I'm asking some of these questions, too, about what's up. 
what, what does this mean when you say that? Why doesn't that translate into this world when I do the same thing? So if you look at the Bible, unanswered prayers are not what Jesus modeled in his ministry. Everybody aware that he was a pretty successful minister, wasn't he? In fact, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that it was, it was never that way. It wasn't, because he, and it wasn't because he was God and he was moving as God. He said, no, 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 I set that aside when I came to the earth and I came as a man so that you would see this is the model, this template for what I expect you to He says, this will be the model, the template for what I expect you to go and do when I'm gone. And so he said, I move entirely at the will of the Father and entirely under the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's, I have bring nothing to this but willingness. Would you agree with that? Say what you've been taught or you've understood? I believe that's true. <clears throat> he, but what he modeled was so radical and foreign to us that it's hard for us to replicate that, isn't it? I remember I was on duty one time. I was just became a pastor 100 years ago. And, and I was on call. And the whole staff had gone to do something. I was left there at the church, and the phone rang. It's a lady, and her husband had just died. She wanted me to come to the hospital and lay hands on him and resurrect him. This was my first ministry call. <laughs> so I went to the hospital, and I laid hands on him. I waited till the nurses out of the room, and she and I, we started praying. Nothing happened. And we were both pretty sick about that because I thought this was going to be an adventure. When he ascended to be, uh, one example, let me tell you this verse in Matthew 18. It says, when evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Those demons are still around, by the way. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. Now, what is not clear about that? <laughs> Everyone who came to him was either delivered or healed. He turned no one away, and everyone he touched was made whole. There's the model. Anybody gulping real hard right now? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm reading it. This is, this is the manual. And so when he ascended to be with the Father, he left behind this little snippet. Now, and I wrote this is in the Holloway translation. Now, all power has been given to me, and in my name and authority, you must go and do the things I did. And don't worry. I'll be with you right up until the end of time. Did that pretty much encapsulate that statement? So he says, everything I did, now I've given you authority to go do that. Now you keep doing that. And you're not alone. I'll be with you by my spirit until the end of time when I culminate all of this in a grand party. So what's up with that? Why can't I go do the things that Jesus did? I mean, we can to some degree. We have good hearts and we do good things, but there's something here that's not earth-shaking. There's something here that's not radically getting the world's attention. So on several occasions, Jesus promised us something. I want you to read two different, two different verses, and they both say it's a little different. Jesus, this is John 14. He says, and he says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, parenthesis, as my representative. This I will do, so the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. So he says, whatever you ask is going to glorify the Father through the Son. I got you covered. You just go do it, and you believe this as my representative. 
John 16, he says basically the same thing, but he just puts a twist on it. He says, until now you've not asked the Father for anything in my name, but now ask and keep on asking and you will receive so that, this time he doesn't say that so the Father will be glorified. This time he says so that your joy will be full. So there's something about Jesus answering our prayers that brings glory to God the Father and brings us a fullness of joy. You get it? It's a good thing. He intended we would receive that, and so would the Father. That's what he accomplished while he was here. Are you with me? So I had to ask, just like Bill did, what is wrong with this picture? <laughs> Why doesn't this promise work for me? And that, my friends, is the object of our lesson tonight. I'm going to begin to lay out some things that you may have heard before. Bear with me, because I've got to do this to build into where I'm going, okay? So if it sounds repetitious, just know that if we're not doing it all, sometimes it doesn't hurt to go back and just say, how did that work again? You know, foundationally. So first of all, it's a matter of record that when Jesus prayed, he batted 1,000. He didn't miss any, except in his hometown where they didn't recognize him as Savior. They thought he was Joseph and Mary's son. They... They saw him by the flesh, and they had no faith to receive what he was giving. That was an, it's even, he says even then a few people were healed. But for the most part, most of the time, when he said something and touched someone, something happened. He said, this is the model for mankind. Go do these things that I did. So how can I... First of all, step one would be to learn how to see and hear what the Father, just like Jesus did. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing, and I only say what I hear him say. So that's his model. So how would we learn to see and hear God just, just as a foundational thing? I can't possibly do what he's doing if I can't hear that and see that. If you have your Bibles, Bibles you might want to turn to John 12, verse 26. Jesus speaking, and he says this, and I'll be reading from the Passion Translation, so it may not track with your translation, because it was so rich, but he says, if you want to be my disciples, anybody here up for that? Yeah. If you want to be his disciple, and uh, follow me, and you will go where I'm going. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. So if your heart is sincere and you're trying to follow Jesus and be his disciple, he says the favor of the Father will be on your life. Anyone here experience God's favor? All raise your hands, even if you're unaware. God's favor is on your life. You're breathing, you're here, you're alive, and good things are in store for you. He says, now then he goes on to say, even though I am torn within and my soul is in turmoil, I will not ask the Father to rescue me from this hour of trial he was in the throes of his crucifixion something was coming and he was in great pain and he says even though i'm in this the midst of this great pain and anxiety i will not ask him to let me off the hook i'm in and he says i have come to fulfill my purpose and that is to offer myself to god so, Father, bring glory to your name. Then suddenly, a booming voice was heard from the sky. Don't you know that was a day? I have glorified my name, this voice says. 
and I will glorify it again through you. The audible voice of God startled the crowd standing nearby, and some thought it was only thunder, and others said, oh, it was an angel who just spoke to him. And then Jesus told them, the voice you heard was not for my benefit, it was for yours. So the obvious question is, why do some people hear a voice from heaven and others only hear background noise? Because sometimes we hear background noise, don't we? Instead of the voice from heaven. That's what I'm getting at. How do we begin to hear the voice and not all the racket wrangling around in our heads? So the Bible is packed with stories about people that God spoke to. If you need a list, I can give you a list. The pages go on and on and on about God spoke. I heard his voice. He told him to do this. Page after page, Old Testament and New, God spoke to his people. Pretty much in agreement with that? But it says, in, and most people say, yeah, but that was prophets and apostles and, and not people like me. That's the response I hear. Yeah, those people are special. But listen, then Jesus countered that by saying this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So that means, who's qualified to hear the voice? The sheep. His sheep, not just any goat in the pasture, right? So the Greek word for hear is important, H-E-A-R. It's not just to have the vibration moving on your eardrum. It means to give an audience to and to listen so as to hear and understand. So God's people who give him an audience and listen with the intent to understand are the ones who hear. You get the difference? It's not people who are casual. They hear thunder. Okay? The people who hear the voice are the people who are tuned in to hear the voice. So this is a clue for us, isn't it? Okay. So we know three things in this passage. God speaks to his sheep. He is not silent. And second, his sheep hear his voice. He didn't say usually or sometimes or maybe. They hear his voice. And because his sheep give him an audience and listen to understand him, they follow him because they hear the instructions. You get it? So if we can actually hear what he's saying, we got a chance to actually move in his instruction and in the place of that instruction in obedience is where the anointing is and that's where the power flows to God's people. Does that make sense? So first of all, we must clue that for some, we have some difficulty hearing the shepherd, then it's probably with the sheep and not the shepherd. Would you agree? Probably the problem is not on God's side, but there's something here in us that's not tuned in. Okay, and there's several reasons, and I'll give you a few clues here in a minute so you can sort through those and do your checklist. There's several keys in hearing God's voice, and I'm just going to talk about one tonight because I'll just barely get through this if I can. For the sake of time, it says this. This is the fundamental statement that we're going to work on. God's voice in our heart sounds like a flow of spontaneous thoughts. Therefore, when I tune to God, I tune in to spontaneity. Now, let me just define a couple of terms for you, because first of all, he's not talking about the cardia, the heart here. He's talking about something else. In the soul of your being, in the heart of man and woman, there's something as a resonance. There's something of who you are in um, your makeup, in your, the, the, the inner heart, 
that resounds, that's in harmony with God's voice. It sounds like a flow of spontaneous thoughts. When we hear this in our heart, our heart resonates with that, and the spontaneity comes from without. The word spontaneous means it's activated without deliberation. So that means that this, uh, our God is a communicating God who longs to make his thoughts as well known to people. So he communicates from without. It's not an internal sequence of thoughts I put together in my own thought, rational thought. Something comes out from outside and it's spontaneous. It's activated without any deliberation and it comes to me and it resonates with my heart. John 4 tells us this. And before I say that, I'm going to ask you to think just a minute. If, um, well, I read, God is a spirit. And he longs to have sincere worshipers who would worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and truth. He is a spirit. He longs to have people worship him in the realm of the spirit. So something's going on there that transcends what we see with our five senses. There's a spiritual element here where God engages us, and that's where he loves to meet us. This spirit-to-spirit kind of communication is the language of God. For instance, if God were speaking to us and he's a spirit, he would use spiritual language, would he not? We won't necessarily hear audible voice speaking in English. It'll come to our hearts and be interpreted through our, peop- our person. And so it's like a new baby learning to, to hear and understand if he's, a baby's listening and learning and picking up how to talk, how does a baby do that? Well, they first of all, they associate those words with some kind of activity, and they begin to put it together, don't they? Oh, milk means it's dinner time. There's those kind of things, and we put a name on milk. We put a, a name on hugs. We put a name on, um, on um, dirty diapers or whatever the thing may be, as Paula would say. And so here's the good news. If we're trying to learn the spirit language, this communication that God so moves so freely in, then any effort we make as children, what kind of father is he? That he wouldn't enjoy that and express himself and help us learn and tend to educate us in that. So he would teach us this association, would he not? You can count on it. He's a perfect father. If we want to learn, and we're babies at this, and it's a spirit-spirit communication, our job is to stay there with him and practice this and begin to develop it. So, Acts 11, the apostle Paul says this, the spirit told me to go with them. The spirit told me. So Paul was in touch with some kind of spirit-to-spirit communication, was he not? And at various points in his ministry, God spoke to him in different ways. Spoke to him prophetically through another man. He would speak to him through dreams quite often. But anyway, in, in Paul's communication, this was to his heart. It came through one of the usual means of heart communication. What are some means of heart communication? How would God communicate to this, this inner part of who we are, the heart, which is the mind, the will, the volition, the imagination, It's not just our ears. If it's the ears of our heart, it involves so much more. It would involve our will, our emotions, our intellect, our imagination. All of those are venues and possibilities for God to speak to our hearts. You got it? So, 
For clarity, God's voice is often sensed as a spontaneous thought, idea, word, feeling, vision. These are the languages of the Spirit to a person's soul. With me? Okay, so when you read the Bible, and God wants to communicate through the Bible, He's communicating through His Word. A word comes alive off the page. It touches you emotionally. All this is communication spirit to spirit. You get it? You're not just reading a history book. But there's one problem. Hearing this voice reminds me that there's other voices in my head. I don't mean clinically. <laughs> I mean, they all sound the same. They sound like me. And there's at least three voices we need to be able to discern. Our own voice, which is the rattling around of our thoughts that are connect the dots through a sequence of things. Ah, there's a clock. That stimulated a thought. I had a clock once that looked like that. And I start this series of thoughts that are connected. That's a Bob thought. Okay, it may be okay, but it's certainly not divine, all right? There's another voice we hear, and this is a voice that's obtrusive, it's intrusive, it's, it's an imposing image, it's dark and evil and heavy. Who do you suppose that would be? It is the devil. There is a devil, and he tries to communicate, and he tries to, to he's an imposter, he tries to pose as God's voice. But the truth is he can't do that. He doesn't have the qualities of God's voice. So it would be really good if we knew what God's voice sounded like so we could discern and, and filter out this other traffic, couldn't we? Yeah, you with me? So let me give you some characteristics. And I can get you a list of these if you want them later. But here's a few things that I've taken from a book I read once. I don't know when I did it. But anyway... These are the qualities of God's voice. And you see if you don't resonate with this. God's voice is often light and gentle. And it's easy to cut off and interrupt and ignore. Does that sound familiar? If I interrupt the spontaneous intuitive flow with my own la 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 stuff because I don't want to hear it, he stops. He will pick it up again when I'm listening with the intent to understand. When I will give him an audience. Remember that hearing? So... God's voice also will come easily as God speaking in the first person. Quite often in my early experience with God, I was looking for something from him that would give me direction and spiritual wisdom and, and maturity. And I was looking for all the stuff that would make me look really good. And he always said the stuff that he wanted to say instead that was good for me. He would often come and say, I love you, Bob. That's first person. He didn't say, I didn't hear, he loves you, Bob. That would have been someone else referring to what God had said to them. He says, I love you in the first person. It's a message from someone in a two-person dialogue. God's voice often comes also in unusual content. And by that I mean it's better and somewhat different than my own thoughts, I might add. <laughs> It's higher, it's pure, it's, it's holy, it's full of wisdom, it's, it's rich. It's everything that's good in spades. And it's certainly not my own thoughts. It's something I can distinguish between my thoughts and his, and it's certainly not the devil's. There's another thing that God's voice, 
It, also, it often causes a special reaction in me when I hear it. To whatever venue if it comes to me, if I recognize that it's God, something in me responds. There's a reaction. Have you ever been there? You just know it was God? And this is often a sense of excitement or breakthrough or conviction, faith, vibrant life, awe, peace, reverence, whatever you want to call it. Something in you responds immediately. And it wasn't conscious. Suddenly something, someone struck the chord on the violin. Not everything is in your head. Emotions and imagination are part of who you are. The church has gone over the years, hundreds of years, has gone to a place of information is good. Logic and rational thinking is the, the epitome of, of thinking. But I want you to know that God's created us the way we are for a purpose. And if you respond to God emotionally, I want you to know that's okay. If he wants to speak through you, to you through your emotions or through your imagination, don't discard that because it's not written on a page. You hear that? what I'm saying? All right. God's word, spoken word is also carries with it the fullness of faith and strength. And by that, I, it, it gives us the ability to carry out what he's saying. When he says to me, Bob, this is what I want for you, something in me says amen. Something says that's possible. That can happen because he just spoke it, and he always gives me the grace to obey him if I say yes. Okay, so far? So if we say yes to him, his empowering grace flows through us to accomplish his will. He gives us, in that speaking and the receiving, he gives us something in that that's full of courage and strength and, and faith. So now we know what to listen for. Briefly, I've gone through that maybe too quick, but, but there's still an obstacle to our hearing. So what are some reasons why we might not hear God's voice clearly? Let me give you some thoughts. And there's probably more than this. But these are some things you can just kind of check through and say, hmm, I need to pray about that, or maybe I need to hear more about that, or no, nah, it's not me. But here's some obstacles that common folk like you and me encounter in hearing God's voice. The first one is right from the textbook, the Bible. And it comes out of James 1. And let me read it for you because it's important to get the language here. But when you ask him, meaning when I'm in prayer and I'm asking for something, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. So divided loyalty is a big deal. It can cut off the answer. He says, he goes on to say, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's not chastisement. It's their inability to receive because there's so much chaos in their thinking. So he says their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Which, what does that mean in simple terms? Here's an example. I might not say this out loud, and I might not, certainly not pose it to God in the form of a response, but if he's speaking to me, I might think in my little feeble brain here, you can speak to me as much as you want on this subject, but I've pretty much made up my mind about that. I'm not sure I want to do that. Well, guess what? That cuts off the flow of God's answer. 
There's something about being aligned with him and agreeing with him that causes that thing to flow. And there's something about saying no to God that shuts things down. Would you agree? It's a good idea to clear our agendas first and set aside our opinions and then pray with an open heart. In other words, before we begin, let's allow God to challenge our thinking and our priorities and our values and expose the things maybe that are obstacles in our thinking. Whenever we try to justify or minimize what we hear, it's usually a sign there's an idol in our lives, an obstacle. When I hear from the Lord and I begin to think, hmm, when I do that, there's something there that's resisting him. And I need to go find out what that is. Would you agree with me? All right. Things like, I just made my list. You can think of your own, but I'm just going to be transparent with you. Man's approval shuts down this whole thing. When I start thinking about what you think more than I think about what he thinks, this communication begins to fall apart. When I start to worry and have anxiety and fear in my life, it begins to break down the communication with God because I've turned my gaze off of him onto other things that began to get my attention. This is the lure of the world and it's not always good things. Sometimes it's terrible things. Distractions. One that Janet reminded me of that I'd forgotten. Unforgiveness. That's absolutely standing in God's face and saying no. I'm holding my position. I'm justified. Let me tell you, that doesn't help your position with God in terms of communication. These are all signs of mixed loyalties. These two kingdoms cannot coexist in your heart or you get mixed messages. You get you get messages that don't come through pure. They're part true and part not true. Okay? So if God is my backup plan, and I have other sources that I go to first, or maybe even with greater faith, then there's a problem. Reason we can't. Here's another reason we can't hear from God. We might be too busy or preoccupied with other things. Does that step on any toes? Has life gotten to be just too much? Is there no time in your calendar to stop and be still? See, communication in a relationship, and any of you that are married or have been in dating relationships or have engaged in some kind of relationship that's more than casual, you'll know that communication has to be nurtured and developed or it dies. It's not a natural thing that develops well. It has to be taken care of. Wouldn't you agree? Look at your calendars and look at your checkbooks and tell me what your values are. Don't stand there and tell me something else that's a contradiction to what's in the proof in your life. If your calendar is full of all of this and your checkbook's written to these things, those are the things you value and give preeminence to. Am I wrong? No, I'm not. <laughs> that's where you spend your time and your money. Those are resources. So I'm not, I'm not wagging a finger. I'm saying these are things, hmm, is that a possibility? Do I need to... Devote some time to this. Do I need to think about this and talk to God about it? Here's another one. Maybe I'm coming to God in unbelief. Maybe my faith is just ragged. Maybe I don't have any expectation that he wants to or he will answer my prayers. Right? Now, this is not the unpardonable sin, (laughs) but this is something we need to turn to him and get some clarification on. And next month, I'm going to teach on the prayer of faith. And you want to hear this because it's going to be good. And I don't say that very often, but the material's good enough that I can stand on it. Okay? And so I just want you to know 
when we pray the prayer of faith, there are certain things in God's kingdom that are legal, that we can stand on that are law, and we can pronounce those things, and there are certain things that are illegal, and we'll never be able to stand on them, and they need to be thrown out. So we're going to try to separate some of those things. So that's next month. Um, another reason why I might not hear from God is because I don't know how or haven't been told how to go about this. And I think that's ignorance is probably the biggest thing in the church. No one's ever sat down and said, well, have you done this? Let's try this. Do, there's no mentoring and coaching and discipleship going on that helps people through the steps of do this and then now practice that. Now, now do this and practice that. And we develop these things it's like the 12 steps of discipleship, right? <laughs> we have to go through those things. How many of you experience these kind of problems? You just haven't known how to hear God's voice. You want to, but you didn't know how to make that work. Everybody raise your hands and be honest with me. Okay. That's why we're studying this subject. If you can't hear the shepherd's voice, it could be that you're not one of his sheep. Now, let's consider that for a moment. Have you made a public commitment to give your life over to him and become one of his sheep? Have you actually done that? Or have you thought that was a good idea and you just assumed that it would happen? See, there's something where we engage the process by saying, yes, I'm in. And it's a public thing, and we speak it, and we engage it, and we begin to move in it, and we act on it. You with me? There's something about becoming one of his sheep that's saying, I'm in. I, I declare I'm in that camp. And from that moment forward, I mean, like that, we, we leave the kingdom of darkness, and we enter into the kingdom of light. And in the kingdom of light, all this opens up and communication begins to be established and suddenly something good comes into your life. Healing and power. But you have to be established in the right camp. You can't stand over here and say, I want that. You have to stand in here in a place of alignment and agreement with God and say, I'm yours and I'm in. You can't stand with your feet in both camps. Or you can't stand over here and think, I never knew that. Nobody ever told me I needed to make a commitment to Jesus. And he would open the way to the Father. Well, I'm telling you, and you can't say you never heard that. And so what's the cure to do that? You need to make some kind of a public statement that says, you know what, I just declare that I've given my life to Jesus. And he, I've given the care and the control of my life into his hands. And I trust him for my salvation beginning today, not in the sweet by and by. I need it now. Anybody need it now? That's what we're talking about is in the now. So there needs to be, I need to be one of his sheep. And I can be by asking. He never turns anyone away because nobody comes to him qualified. We got that squared away? We all show up in the same way, a mess. Okay, so let me do a quick summary and then we'll pick this up next month when it's my turn again. I'm not sure about the date yet. First of all, we know that God is a communicator and he speaks. How does he speak? Through a number of ways, but it's spirit to spirit and it speaks to our hearts. And then we interpret it through a number of different ways. It could be visions or thoughts or ideas, anything in our imagination. It could be audible, it could be the word, it could be prophecy, it could be anything. He is so creative. But we have to be tuned in and we have to give him an audience and be listening to hear. You get it? Okay. And so another thing you need to know is he is not only a communicator, he also speaks to certain people. And we need to be one of those. And if we're in the right camp, that's just one of his sheep. 
right? You don't have to be qualified. Um, I've really studied hard this week, and now I can hear from God. No, you need to be a sheep, and all his sheep hear his voice. That's the qualifier, okay? And we know then that if we hear him, and we understand him, and we've got the knowledge of his heart, we then must follow him. We have to step out in that and say, I'm in. And I say yes to you. And so now, everything I pray, you say you'll answer that because it's going to glorify God and it's going to fill me with joy. You see how this works? This is what Jesus did. And he says, now you need to go back to the drawing board and you don't need to reinvent any kind of religious stuff. You need to go back and be what I am. And I'll empower you to do that. Anybody want to believe that with me? That's what he said. That's what he meant. And we need to go do that. But we need to do that in faith and understand what that means. There's some things we need to comprehend in order to implement that. You with me? Okay. Finally, we know that we can be born of his own by asking him. So this was the statement. God's voice in our hearts sounds like a flow of spontaneous thoughts. Therefore, when I tune my heart to God, I tune to spontaneity. He is so playful and adventurous and exciting and he is not about religion he's about relationship and he meant to come and take over this world and he meant to use you to do it anybody want to do that with me okay i'm going to walk this out with you in this next month or two and we're going to go back to the drawing board we're going to hit default come back up and reboot this thing and say okay let's start over Let's lay a foundation of faith and let's begin to move forward in that so we've got it and we hold it in our hearts and not just in our heads. With me? All right, then I'll pray for you. First of all, if you haven't given your life to the Lord and surrendered, I want us all to pray that together so that we can do that. It doesn't hurt to say it again. And some people just have a, a, they're just afraid to come out and say, oh, by the way, I, I don't know how to do that or help me. And so let's make it easy for everyone here, okay? And so if you haven't committed your life to Jesus, if you're not one of his sheep and you want to be part of this eternal party, then I want to pray with you. So it goes like this. Father, Father. say it with me. Father, Father. in Jesus' name, name. I surrender my life to you. I I give you it all. I have nothing until I receive your everything. I ask you to quicken my spirit. Come living in my heart and show me the way. I trust Jesus to do that. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 